well, we are in the Christmas season. And um, to my liking, the Christmas season starts far too early and far too soon. You know, when you go to uh, the warehouse in October, or to Countdown, or to New World, whatever you do, your shopping, or Kmart, and see all the first signs of Christmas shopping, I think, ugh, now we start again in the Christmas season. And now we have to get our head there about buying presents, and where are we going to go, and where are we going to be, and all of that. We're still in the Christmas season. But also, even though we are in the Christmas season, it's also the summer season. So we can live in many seasons at the same time. If you are a mother here, you'll be forever in your mother's season. If you become a grandmother, you will always be a grandmother. And it is a season. It's a beautiful season. If you are a parent, then you are in a parenting season. And you can say, well, it's hard when the kids are small, I tell you, when the kids are older. Small problems, small kids, more problems. Older kids, <clears throat> bigger problems. Once a parent, always a parent. But in the midst of it, we can have be another season. We can have a season that we feel disillusioned, or a season that we are just, just sad or disappointed. So it's good to ask yourself, what season am I in? What's, what, what would you call it, what season you are in? Uh, a while ago, we had our women's meeting, and, uh, which is beautiful. Um, women's meeting, and we just talked about season and, and asked the ladies what would they name their season. And, you know, we had such a variety of names that people recognize what season that they are in. And you can call it your name. Even though in Ecclesiastes it says there is a season for everything. There is. And there is, uh, for everything, is a season. And there is nothing new under the sun. So if you think you, you are just, I'm just so sad. Well, there are other people who are sad with you because we're all going through different seasons of our life. I remember our first season of Christmas in New Zealand. And uh, I think it was just so weird and so awful to have Christmas here in New Zealand, how can you have Christmas in the summer? How, how, how can you go to the beach with Christmas? We are so used to, to have a wintry Christmas with wintry food. Nothing, nothing felt the same. Nothing felt familiar. The food was off. <laughs> it was really off. For example, mince pies. We think mince pies, okay? We learned the word what mince was. So, and so you bite into it and you think. <laughs> so our summer season, that first summer, was just so different. So uncomfortable. We felt so alone because we didn't, that didn't feel familiar. But the most thing we missed on that Christmas was our family. Because we were miles and miles apart now. And in those days, you could ring them, but we had a party line. And for those who know what that means, 
especially on Christmas, so we never got through. There was a verse that, that kept me, and it still keeps me, because all our family, all our brothers and sisters on the other side and my side, they're still where they are in the Netherlands. This, this scripture, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other, because God is able to do that. And maybe you are here today and your family is overseas, or your family is not with you. May you know that God is able to keep watch over you. So in this time of the year, we also, we just ponder and we reflect, you know, because we get so many questions asked, uh, where are you going to go for Christmas? Uh, what are you going to do with Christmas? And who are you going to have with us? And, you know, all these questions. Aren't we sick of all these questions? Uh, everybody's asking, out of politeness, of course, um, but we're getting all these questions, and that makes us think, where were we last year? What was I doing last year? And so, um, and even though it looks in, in, the, in the shops that everybody is happy, everybody's got it together, everybody, you know, got it all sorted for Christmas, that's how it looks. But don't be deceived. Because how it looks, it's not always how it is. Because many people find Christmas the most difficult time of the year. Because then they reflect on what I had maybe last year or the year before, because they had a job, or they had a husband or their wife or a family member or a friend. And now, this Christmas, they have to celebrate without them. And this year has been particularly really hard on many levels because of COVID. Some people lost their jobs. Some people had loss of income. Some people are still waiting to come into New Zealand because they were just at the wrong time, at the wrong, at the wrong place, and they can't come back into New Zealand to their, what, what they call home. And because they can't come home, family members who would love to go, with, be with their family, who are overseas, and now they can't come into New Zealand because we've got only so many beds. And so this year is, 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 is quite different for many people. And there have been many losses of life, even here in New Zealand. And they will do have to do Christmas without their loved one. And not that long ago, we had our celebration Christmas with Young at Heart. And in the midst of our Young at Heart family, three had passed away and went to glory. So we sometimes need to ponder and to reflect and think. It's not always beautiful and happy for all of us. And we have moments, even though we've got a good Christmas coming, we all have moments that we need to reflect to those who are not able to be with us. So lots of losses, and losses are numerous. I only mentioned a few, but you could have had a miscarriage. You maybe you lost hope, or maybe you broke up your marriage, or whatever it is, whatever your name of loss is, we cannot not acknowledge it. But when we lose 
one of our loved ones. It is just unbearable grief. And today we're going to set time aside um, and remember of those who cannot be with us because they had passed away this year or maybe recent years. But we also think of those, um, of those family members and friends who cannot be with us this Christmas. And although they mean a lot to us. You know, losing a loved one is hard. I don't need to tell you because most of us have lost a loved one in our lives. And, and we grieve because we love so much. We love them so much and that's why we grieve. You know, we get totally out of rhythm of our own life when, that, when it happens. We don't plan it to happen, but sometimes it just happens unexpectedly. It's a painful journey but it's also a personal journey because we all grieve differently. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. It is your way of grieving. And sometimes we think we, we can help, and, but it's your personal journey. We all grieve differently. And so I just want to to see what does the word of God tell us about people who have been grieving and how different they grieved in their way. For example, Naomi, you know Naomi and her husband lived in Bethlehem and obviously there was a famine in the country. They had two young sons and so they decided to go to a different country to Moab. Obviously to have a great future there together uh, for their children of course as well. But lo and behold, her husband dies in Moab. And so Naomi is left with her two sons. Those sons got married, they got beautiful wives. But then their two sons, one after the other, also passed away. You imagine how intense that grief is and being away from family and not able to do what you, what you thought you would a loss of, of hope, a loss of a future, so many losses. And so Naomi decided that she's, she's going to go back. She's, she's going to go back to the familiar. At least she's got family, she, at least she's got people that she knows and maybe know her husband. And so they can help her in her journey. And so she tells her two daughter-in-laws, just, you just need to go back. Just go back to your family. Uh, I'll be fine. Uh, I want you to have, your future is there, and my future is I'm going back. But one of the daughters, she had this great compassion to stay, to stay with her, her mother-in-law in her pain and in her loss. And so she says, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. A tremendous of a young, young woman. And so they arrived back home in Bethlehem, and all the people in Bethlehem who were all familiar, who knew her so well, they could see that she was not in a good place. Because grief does that to us. Sometimes our face tells it. 
that we are grieving, Louis said. And so they called her Naomi. But what did Naomi say? She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because I'm so bitter. We can understand that, isn't it? A, a, a life full of hope and a great future and coming back. And she said, I went out full, but I can home empty. And very often, I have worked with people with hospice for many years. And after a loved one dies, they, they recognize that, you know, they had such a full life with their loved one. And now they feel so empty because the person is not here anymore. What about Job? Oh, the Naomi story ends all right, okay. Because Ruth, you know, she, she meets this beautiful uh, man. His name is Boaz. And, you know, it, it's just a beautiful story. It's in the line of Jesus. And so she's get married, and, and Naomi gets restored in hope again, renewed hope. That is just beautiful. But here is Job. Job is a, is a God-fearing man, and he's rich, and he's got lots of children, and he's, he is just an upright person. God, he's a fearful, fierce God, and all of that. And then, uh, obviously, there's a layers of stories in it. I'll do this, my story with the grief. And so, uh, and, and one day he loses all his cattle. He was rich for some unknown ways, but he loses all his cattle, all his riches. And that was not the end of it, because then he loses all his children, all in one go. They were partying, and, uh, and the roof collapsed, and all his children died. Imagine that. This is what Job says to you. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Amazing that you in such a tragic, such a sad time, you can reach out to God. But his wife, for example, she wouldn't have a bar of it. If I just curse God and blah, 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 and that's okay too, because we all react different to our losses. Then he had three friends, and the three friends came to his house, and they, he sat with the job for five days and five nights, just sat with him in his sorrow and his grief, and he had all kinds of sores on his body. It was just... They could hardly recognize him. And they didn't speak a word. And sometimes that is needed. When we are going to somebody who's grieving, being with them is the most powerful thing that we can do. Letting them know that you're there. And use words if you have to. But usually we cannot find even the right words to describe what brings them comfort. But that is not the end of the story of Job because God restored all his fortune and he had many more children. More, he got three daughters and seven sons after that. So God restored his hope and everything. What about Jesus? Oh, we know a beautiful Jesus. But Jesus has 
some really good friends. Isn't it marvelous? You know, he had his disciples, but he had some really good friends. And his name was Lazarus. And Jesus loved his, uh, his two sisters, Mary and Martha. You know, obviously, you know, they clicked. And so Jesus was on his way and then he heard a message that Lazarus was sick. And without a word, can you please make your way to Lazarus' home? Because he's sick. Because everybody knew that Jesus would love to be with his friend, but also Jesus would be able to heal. Well, Jesus took his time, didn't he? He really took his time. And while that was what all was going on, Lazarus had died. And by the time Jesus was just coming into town, he could hear the wailing and he could hear the weeping. Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. What would you have said? What do you think what Martha said or Mary said? If only, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. If only, why? Why were you not there? And you know that it's so normal and natural when we lose a loved one that we ask those questions, oh, if only. If only he'd do that. If only we'd done that. If only, well, why, God? Why is this happening? It's just normal. We have all these questions. Sorry, I lose my plot. So Jesus went, and he said, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her outside. That's what it writes in John 11. Verse 33 to 35, it says, he was moved in spirit and he was troubled. It was his best friend that we know. And he asked, where did you lay him? Where is he? And they said, come Lord and see. And so Jesus was there at the grave and he wept. He wept just like we weep when we lose a loved one. Jesus wept because he feels the grief. It says Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. He is. He is so close when we are broken and when we have a loss. But that was not the end of this story because Jesus said there that he was the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in him shall never die, but shall forever live. And that's what he demonstrated on that day with his best friend Lazarus. And he asked Lazarus to come out of the grave. Man, what a party would that have been. And so that the weeping turned into rejoicing. Imagine. Beautiful. So grieving your loss, and we all have had losses this year or last year, but we all had losses. It is the personal journey. And sometimes it's a personal unknown journey because we just don't know how this is going to go, how I'm going to be in a month or a year, or how it's going to be. But it is your personal story, journey, and it is your story to tell. You know, sometimes we go to grieving people and they tell their story, they're so upset, and we're just dying 
to tell our story because of what we have been through or what we have, you know, and that it's really not needed because they've got enough on their own. So being there is more powerful than anything. As I said, use words if you have to. But the God of all comfort is with you in the midst of it. So whatever if you're going through today with all the different seasons or layers, you know, God is with you because he is called the God of all comfort. And he is more than willing to comfort you when you need it. And he also helps us to embrace life as it is. We need to learn and adjust to the life as it is. Embrace it. I mean, it's easy said than done. But it is a journey. Just like when we're cold, we move closer to fire. Hard seasons can move us closer to God. And God is close to the brokenhearted. So today we are remember. We remember those who have passed away this year or maybe some time ago. It doesn't really matter because we still love them. I still love my mum who passed away in 1998. Is my love less for my mum? No. I love her more. Do I speak less of my mum? No, now I speak to my grandchildren about my mum and tell them the story, what an amazing woman she was. So we don't stop loving. We don't stop honouring. We keep honouring and loving them. Yelta and me go uh, very often to see a friend of ours who a couple of years ago lost, first lost his life, they're a very close friend to us, and then he had a massive stroke. So that means he lost all his independence. He was not able to live in his own home again. He lost his speech. He lost his movement, his mobility, and he lost lots of his memory was all jumbled up. He would hardly able to speak in the English language. So that's where Yalta and me came in, because we speak the Frisian language, and that's where he's from. And as soon as we speak the Frisian language to him, then he's able to get some words out. So we visit him regularly, because he has not ability to bring up memories that, that he had. And so because we are from the same group of people, the Frisians, we talk about those things uh, that we know he would have been involved as well, how we celebrate Christmas or birthday, about his beautiful wife, about his children. And so we initiate to help him to remember because mostly we come into his place and he is sad because his world is so small. He was an artist, a very good artist, and now he is not able to do that anymore. He had many, many losses. And so we come and we just believe by helping him to remember how it was that will instill hope and it will instill joy and it will still some that he has a future. And I can tell you, guarantee, every time that we visit, every time is the same, 
this, we visited on Friday, and we talked about how Christmas was, where we come from, what we eat and what we like, and how it's winter, and, you know, the candles really make much sense when it's dark. And, you know, by the time we left, you could see the joy on his face. Help him to remember. And so today we remember our loved ones, to love them, honor them, because we need to honor them. And nothing can separate us from the love that you have for your loved ones. Nothing. Not even death. And you need to tell the story to your children and your grandchildren. And so we pass on the message and the memories that we hold so dearly. And when we are remember, like today, we also acknowledge that we had a loss. And we are facing up to it. And we just think what a person meant to us, how much impact this person had on you, or how difficult that relationship was, but you still loved them. And it helps us to live, not getting over our grief, but acknowledge it. But there's no way of getting over our grief, and nobody needs to. We just need to learn how to embrace life with the grief that we carry. I'm going to trigger you back to the Christmas story. There were shepherds in the field watching the flock by night. And they thought it was just an ordinary night. And all of a sudden, the heavens broke open. The angel came. And there was the announcement to the shepherds that Christ the Savior was born in the town of Bethlehem. That was good news and bring joy to many people. And here they were, the shepherds, going to, to the town of Bethlehem, finding Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. They were the shepherds. They were worshiping Jesus. Little did they know that this little boy, Jesus, was the chief shepherd of all. He is. Jesus is our shepherd. He is our chief shepherd of all. And he is still watching the sheep in the field. He's still watching over you. He never gives up of watching over you, guiding you, restoring you, refreshing you. He is, that is the shepherd's job, to give you hope. And even if you walk through the darkest valley, he says, fear no evil, because I am with you. That is just so good that he is with us. Whatever we are feeling or whatever we are going through, even in the darkest moments, God is there. It says, At the lowest, God is my hope. At my darkest, God is my light. And at the weakest, God is my strength. And at my saddest, God is my comfort.
That's the God we lift up today about our own life. We lift him up because we're reaching out to him. So we're going to sing a song, and it's about um, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, Yalta and um, somebody else is going to lift the candles. So today we honor for those who have passed away this year, but maybe some years ago, and the love that you have for them is still there. The honor, you can still give that today by lighting a candle. Maybe you're here and you thought you would have Christmas with this person or that person or that family member, but for some reason, it will not come about. Also, we show that we love them and we miss them in this special time. All right. Thank you. So just come up whenever you are ready and if you want to light a candle to remember 